Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Over the last couple of weeks, people in Sydney and other urban areas on the East Coast have been getting a taste of what bushfires might be like for those in the country. It's just a taste, though. The smoke haze clears. We can breathe easier again. But in areas that are closer to the bushfires, there has been no break. Lily Isabella is the CEO of the One A Day Project. She has three kids and she lives in Bellingen on the mid-north coast of New South Wales, halfway between Sydney and Brisbane. It's also an area that is basically surrounded by fires. Hi, Lily. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. Thanks for the reminder, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're feeling okay until I pointed that out, right? (laughs) So what's it like there today? I know each day can be different, but what's it like today where you are? Uh, Today, we actually had the tiniest bit of rain last night. So the the whole community kind of did a big exhale last night, um, but we've woken up to really low-lying smoke again this morning. So there's there's reports coming in from the closest fire line that that little bit of rain has actually bought us the tiniest bit of time. So there's there's a sense of excitement <laughs> <laughs> in amongst the smoke this morning, which is really nice. So I'm in Sydney and we've had several days of smoke haze. You know, mm. there's been reports about not being able to see the Opera House and it has been intense uh, being a part of that. But as I've mentioned in the introduction, there have been a couple of days like that. It's been ongoing, but we do have days that are clearer than others. Um, How long has this kind of intense bushfire experience uh, been going on for your community in Bellingen? I think we're nearing the eight-week mark at the moment since we've been, let's say, smoke-free in the community and and the outlying communities as well. I can't put an exact date on it, but yeah, uh, I'm feeling that we're creeping up to the eight-week mark at the moment. That we've since we've seen a clear sky or even the horizon. <laughs> what does that do to your psyche? Because you you're a very, in my humble opinion, a very <laughs> optimistic person. But I I struggle after a couple of days of smoke haze. I start feeling claustrophobic. I start worrying about what's going on what's it like for you I think a little story will sum it up a couple of weeks ago um, we had a weekend where we actually had a day off together as a family which was really unusual and I got up and the air was just absolutely sick again with smoke and I was like that's it I'm done I can't take it anymore (laughs) we're going to the beach and we drove the, the 40 minutes to the beach and when we got there it was worse <laughs> because oh, no. the fire, another northern fire had shifted and the wind had shifted. And I just sat in the car park and, and sobbed like a, a spoiled brat, really. So I just wanted to get somewhere that wasn't full of smoke and just have a day of not, you know, not feeling, yep, hemmed in, pinned in. It, claustrophobic feeling is a really good, it's a great description for it. And how do you run a household? You've got a husband, you've got three kids. Like, how do you do the things you normally do? We're keeping kids inside in Sydney, you know, for play and recess and lunch. Yeah. How are you managing just everyday life? 
we're really lucky in that we have air conditioning in our house, which is, you know, not everybody has that luxury, but it is a matter of for the last few weeks keeping the house closed up all the time and unfortunately running the aircon as a kind of air filter so that at least during the night when the smoke drops and my husband who is a volley firefighter would be able to tell you all the reasons why with all the thermal layers of air and all that other stuff that they know um, why it drops at night but we do that at night so we get a bit of a, a bit of a break from the smoke but we've had school closures on and off and um Schools have put in place, you know, safety measures for our students so that on really bad days they they try and keep them indoors and they create places that are air conditioned and filtered and um, you know we see kids rocking up to school with their little face masks on and it's um it's it's interesting times it's it's not fun. What are your kids saying about it? You know, what are the things they articulating how they feel? There is a lot of anxiety. I work in local schools um, and I've, I work in schools that have been directly impacted with fires where families have lost their homes. There is a high degree of anxiety across the board with all kids. The teenagers, you know, they're really, they're really feeling it because they're right in there with their families having to evacuate and still maintain school or maybe um, evacuate multiple times as the fires creep close and then stop and then creep close and then stop. So there's a lot of unknown and, and creeping up to Christmas that's being exacerbated. Are we going to be at home for Christmas or is, do will we have a home for Christmas? And um, So the, the older kids are really, are really feeling it and teachers are, are managing their anxiety levels really well, trying to have conversations about that. But for little kids, uh, yeah, it's really hard to talk to them about what's going on, but they have a real sense that something isn't right, just even by looking outside. So having conversations with toddlers and really young children about that uh, is is a skill and I know in um, just in our little community there's a lot of resources being passed around between educators about how to have those conversations with with really young kids so that their anxiety is is not enhanced which must be hard because I'm pretty sure your anxiety levels must be up there (laughs) (laughs) and that's that's what kids regulate off is is our anxiety levels so um there's no, there's no easy way to do that. It's like you can't say to people, take a deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you'll choke on the smoke. Oh, wow. So, um, but, you know, we have, we have an amazing, amazing community. and They're incredibly supportive. And that's the, that's the beautiful thing that comes out of times like that. At times like this is uh, we get to see a side of our community that... Um, brings everybody a lot of a lot of joy and a lot of pride so we try and focus on that and what we can do for each other speaking of that you mentioned your husband's a volunteer fiery i'm always intrigued about people who volunteer for this work i I think it's incredible but such a huge sacrifice what what is it what does it mean for him and what does it mean for your family that he's a volunteer firefighter at this particular time uh, at this time I was going to say he just does it for the costume but he'd probably kill me <laughs> if I did <laughs> you let him do it so I he wears the costume, the costume. <laughs> 
it's the standing joke, you know, that it, it's every woman's fantasy. It's actually not my fantasy for him to be a fireman at all, especially at times like this. Uh, look, we, we're really blessed in that um, we have a really strong RFS in our area. But the reality of that is that the volunteers are either retired, so um, they're people who are over the age of 60, let's say, or they're people who are actually having to give up full-time work or take unpaid days off from their workplaces to go and fulfil their volunteer obligations. Wow. So for somebody like my husband, he works for, we're really lucky in that he works for an amazing organisation that actually helps pay his time off so that he can go and volunteer. But for a lot of people who work for themselves or work in small businesses, it's a matter of taking unpaid time to show up and do what's necessary. And for smaller RFS branches around here, you know, we're hearing stories of people who are one shift on, one shift off, one shift on, one shift off. And it's not it's not ideal. And it's the, the guy's who are organising everything are trying really hard to spread that load. But the reality is is that our services are made up of, of volunteers. <laughs> yeah. And the fires are just everywhere and feels like they're everywhere and out of control. I'm sure that it's not necessarily the case. But your husband recently went to hospital because of his volunteer work. <laughs> Um, so it's he loves a bit of attention, my boy. <laughs> yeah, he deliberately got smoke. <laughs> what did? What actually happened? What was? What was? Did he have to go to hospital for? Uh, look, extreme heat exhaustion, a bit of smoke inhalation, and it's just the it's just the nature of the work. It's very hot. It's hard to get oxygen in, and when you're working right on that fire line, I guess it's um, yeah. There's just when you take a big deep breath, the fire has sucked a lot of the oxygen out of the air, so there's not much left for humans to be breathing. So um, it's not unusual. And we were talking to the hospital staff, and they were saying we have our fireys in regularly at the moment with that same thing, just heat exhaustion. How do they treat it? Uh, with a lot of <laughs> um, fluid, rest, checking, making sure they've got enough oxygen on board, taking them off volunteer duties, which, you know, they have little tantrums about. <laughs> <laughs> and rest. Yeah. And, and getting their core body temperature back down. And uh, apparently, according to our captain, eating ice cream. All right. So yes, I don't. I don't think there's any scientific valid <laughs> proof for that as a treatment. But my husband took that on board and 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 worked that for a few days. Oh my god! <laughs> if you had something to say to the people who aren't directly affected by the fires, who are seeing the smoke haze and worried about people in the country, what would you say to them? What what kind of advice? What kind of help can we give to support people who are um, you know, just under the pump with all of this? Mm. I would say to not forget us in a couple of months when all of this settles down. Right now it's very topical and it's in everybody's social media feed, it's on the news, it's, it's right in our faces. But the real work is going to start once the fires have died down and the media have all left and people are left with no homes and are left to rebuild 
devastated lives, basically. And that's where we see a drop-off of interest. So as a country and as small communities, we're great at getting together at the critical moment. But what we're going to see in a few months when everybody is um, in need of housing and clothing and food and all of those things and farmers are trying to get back on track and and rebuild their, their livelihood, that's when we're going to need the most support. So I would say to people, if you have the resources, keep an eye out in the couple of months to come when support is needed and if you can, you know, donate then that's when we're going to need the the most help, I think. Well, Lily, I love your generosity of spirit in talking to us about this and and remaining what seems to be optimistic in the face of all this. And um, I hope you and your family have a safe, rainy, very (laughs) rainy Christmas. It's the first time I've ever prayed for a rainy Christmas, but bring it on, I say. <laughs> we'll all be praying for rain this Christmas, and um, yeah, I hope you're all safe and well, and that your hubby continues to get better. So thanks Thank for talking you. to us. Thank you so much, Yvonne, and look, I wish everybody who's living in the city uh, the very the very same, and I hope it rains down there too, and we get a clear view of the Opera House right across Christmas. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> thanks, Silly. Bye. Bye. That's Lily Isabella. She's the CEO of the One A Day Project and she lives in Bellingen on the mid-north coast of New South Wales, halfway between Sydney and Brisbane. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.